Welcome back to New Mexico Rising. Today we'll have a conversation with Ronnie Lucero. He is the Republican National Hispanic Assembly Chairman for New Mexico, as well as the ambassador to the Lexit movement here in New Mexico. We'll discuss numerous issues with Mr. Lucero concerning New Mexicans, and hopefully you'll enjoy the conversation. Let's get started. Today on New Mexico Rising, we're going to be speaking with Ronnie Lucero. Although he voted for Barack Obama in 2008, Mr. Lucero began to second guess his support for the former president after observing what he believed to be the vilification of Americans who didn't support progressive ideas on race, gender, and same-sex marriage. Mr. Lucero now serves as the chairman of the Republican National Hispanic Assembly of New Mexico, as well as the New Mexico ambassador for Lexit. We'll be speaking with Mr. Lucero about the numerous issues currently facing New Mexicans, as well as what he thinks needs to be done in order to see New Mexico rise. But before we welcome him on, it looks like schools in New Mexico have already begun the predictable transition back to remote learning. Thad, this is your neck of the woods. What exactly is going on down there? Break it down for us. Parents and or guardians of children who attend Los Lunas High School. Los Lunas Schools is working with the New Mexico Department, uh, Public Education Department and the New Mexico Department of Health because a staff member at our facility or a child who attends our school has tested positive for COVID-19. And so basically what that has kicked off essentially is uh, the, I guess, this, uh, this really silly contact tracing. It is causing um, basically everyone because they I guess it was a lot of people who were in contact, not necessarily tested positive, but when contact with someone, be it staff or child who tested positive, that is going to regress just lost in this high school to uh, to, uh, yeah, two weeks of virtual learning via the Canvas program, which is the was the bane of my existence for the last two years. Yeah. Um, and so basically what's going on here is this terrible contact, you know, track and trace nonsense and just shutting down everything. But here's the deal. This most of this is the guidance from the public sure. education department. So they really have no choice. Now, I've gone into some of the forums here that basically follow Los Lunas schools. And, yeah, it's just kind of just, yeah, someone tests positive. Someone in contact with that person you know, basically has to stay home in quarantine. That person can then take a test, but it doesn't matter because according to that, um, it doesn't matter if they test uh, negative. Right. Um, they still have to stay home. Well, I mean, that's, you know, probably just a typical admission from them that the tests are garbage one way or the other, just like they always have been. I, I have yeah. no, nothing else to say about the tests. Yeah, so there's been no argument to me about their effectiveness. So it literally comes down to is that everyone's guilty, everyone's a suspect, right? 
Yeah, pretty much. This is a blunt. This is a blunt force tool. This is this is a blunt object or blunt tool to try to basically test. We've always been suspect of these PCR tests, and we don't know their. Uh, we don't have any transparency on their cycle thresholds that basically determine it. We, I mean, are we even catching the Delta variant? Is the Delta variant really even that deadly? The, the simple fact of the matter is we have to kind of stop doing this. This start and stop and start and stop is having detrimental effects to the ability to not only provide the sh crappy government service that is public schools, um, it's affecting all things down the line. Like how many times is this going to happen? Now, it's funny, no athletic events or any extra after school curricular activities have been for all for the most part ceased. So this is a slight overreaction at at least here. I mean, but if this is going to be the posture throughout the school year, this is basically them telling you that we don't care about your kids. We don't care about their socialization because even in when they're in school and in person for socialization, you're putting masks over their face, which basically has its own psychological effects when it comes to interpersonal communications. I could go on for days, but that's where yeah, we stand. And yeah. you know, that's, yeah, we'll that's we'll be getting more into that. I'm sure it is the topic that kind of supersedes everything and you know we discuss it at the risk of losing our facebook account youtube account and whatever else but we're going to continue to do that so i would like to put a reminder in here everybody who is watching this we very much appreciate it make sure you like share you can find us a plethora of places right now i know baka will be on at the end kind of break that down i can't even keep track of how many platforms we're on these days as we continue to fight against censorship and putting it out there like it is. But all that notwithstanding, why don't we go ahead and welcome on our guest. Mr. Lucera, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's our understanding okay, that your path to political activism uh, has been guided and somewhat influenced and financed by your work in the car sales industry. There isn't exactly an abundance of information on you that describes that journey in detail. So why don't you take a minute and just tell us how you ended up and came to be the chairman of the Republican National Hispanic Assembly? Well, that's a, that's a long story because I'm, I'm really not supposed to be here today. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, yes, I, I've been in finance. I'm a finance manager in the car industry. I've been in finance altogether between mortgage and the auto industry for about 19 years combined. And in the finance industry, you actually get to speak with the people that are actually out there voting. You get to hear their stories. You get to see their struggles. You get to see their financial struggles, their credit struggles. And I've experienced this as I've worked with people for about 19 years. And you've built a lot of relationships in doing that, you know. And as you start watching what's happening within the state, what's happening, you know, within the country, um, what's happened over the course of the last six to seven years by itself, um, it started to get me to pay more attention to what's been going on, you know, and once uh, Trump was uh, actually once Trump announced that he was going to be running for office, um, I wasn't really a Trump fan. You know, I've always, you know, I've been a conservative my whole life, um, but I wasn't really a fan of Trump. I just didn't like his show, The Apprentice. And, um, you know, that's just how I was. Um, I actually backed Cruz and Rubio um, initially. And then when I heard him come out with this speech that the media said he was attacking all Mexicans, calling us rapists and murderers and so forth. And I went back and I watched it again. And I'm like, that's not what this was about. This 
speech that the, 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 you know, the segment of the speech was actually about the cartels and the MS-13. And that's who he was talking about. Then you start paying more attention to what the media is saying versus what you actually see is happening. And then you start wanting to get away from actual media. And I started sticking with independent journalisms, you know, in, independent journalists. But that's where I get the source of my information. But that kind of brought me into starting to want to fight a little bit harder for New Mexico. Um, I uh, joined Legsit USA um, as the ambassador to New Mexico uh, when Trump was, I think, in his second year in office. Um, and Legsit USA is primarily, uh, it's the Latino exit from the Democrat Party. We educate Hispanics and Latinos about policies and what you have to do or what you can understand more before you make a decision on who you vote for. Because at the end of the day, Hispanics, Latinos, um, we've grown up conservative. You know, we're pro-God, um, you know, we're pro-family, we're, you know, pro-freedoms. Um, and we don't like the government. We want smaller government, you know, and at the end of the day, so Lexit is trying to educate more Hispanics and Latinos about what conservatives, you know, conservatives do and what we believe in. And so I started doing that. I started doing some live shows called uh, The Right Latinos with uh, my co-host, uh, Angel Rivera, who's the PR conservative. A lot of you guys might know him as the Goya guy. Um, he did that, the, the Goya video. Um, I think it's got pretty close to like two million views already. Um, but as I started doing more and more, I started becoming more involved. Um, and then Facebook uh, started hitting me with uh, accusations of misinformation. And what it really turned out was that Facebook was pushing misinformation because most of the stuff that they centered my page on, it was initially it was called the conservative Latino. And it had 27,000 followers on it. And Facebook, Facebook just completely shut it down. Um, so rebuilding again um, under Ronnie, you know, Ronnie Lucero legs at USA. Um, and as I'm doing that, um, they asked me to, to talk to them about the RNHA, which is the Republican National Hispanic Assembly. It's a nationwide organization, been around six, the 60s. Um, and uh, so I started listening, started talking to, uh, you know, Ray Torres and Betty Cardenas more and more. Um, and as I started doing this, I started getting more involved into the politics and initially it took me about six months to make a commitment to to actually start the rnha um and i did it and i put together a solid team um i really want a team that can actually function without any one of us you know um we do have uh elisa martinez is my vice chair um audrey trujillo who is our uh political director um she is outstanding and, and a lot of people know her within the state and she's probably one of the best political activists in the country for conservatives um amy fonseca you know is my membership director joe fonseca is my parliamentarian he keeps us in check you know yvette lucero is my treasurer um and samantha connors is my secretary and, and we've got a team that's put together but we're going to start expanding we're going to be going from doniana county all the way up to the four corners and taos and we want to fill the entire state of New Mexico. We're not just going to be an outreach organization in Albuquerque. We're going to be boots on the ground throughout the state. Mm. Long story. I told you. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, we've all had those uh, securitist routes to, you know, having the narrative uh, that we've been sold, even when we were kind of, you know, basic conservatives, so to speak. And be, mm -hmm. I was a cruise guy <laughs> in that primary. Yep. That was the last uh, uh, Republican primary vote that I actually ever cast um but yeah i mean I, I know what the feeling was right i mean you didn't like the boorishness and the uh and the bravado of trump but then yeah the more it got to the point where the narrative and the message that was emanated to the mainstream was not quite what you would actually hear if you would each, if you would watch the speeches live if you would watch the interactions live yeah that, that that's definitely been uh, a lot of 
stories I've heard of red pills uh, going forward here. So I guess let's bring the focus back then to New Mexico. Let's do that. Um, right. And so <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about the school situation in particular, now, particularly down here as well as a former parent of a Los Lunas high school student um, who we dealt with our fair share of craziness down here, um, particularly mm -hmm. if it be it the New Mexico uh, Public Education Department, be it justified in basically suspending our whole school board, for which I still skeptical about, to this latest kind of ordeal where they're basically by virtue of well, what the PED put out this 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 summer, shutting down schools, doing the contact tracing and going back to that stuff. There's the masks, there's the, the potential for, you know, the mandates for vaccinations once the FDA fully approves the vaccine. Let her rip, man. What do you got to say about that? So um, it's, it, as a parent, uh, my wife and I, we've got seven. We've got five girls and two boys. Um, and we have uh, two that are in school. And we actually just about to enroll them in a school right up the street where we just built our home. And then once they came out with the mandates and cases started going up, um, we're not going to deal with what the PED uh, wants to dictate on our students uh, and our kids here in New Mexico. Uh, PED is, first of all, they are bureaucrats that are appointed to office and they're trying to remove people that have been rightfully elected into office. And that's got to stop. And as a state and as a people, we got to stand up and, and, and fight against that. Um, but on a side note, my wife, I'm fortunate enough to where my wife gets to stay home and take care of our kids. So we withdrew them from APS for the second year in a row and we're going to homeschool them. Um, and I'll be honest with you, in the last year that my wife homeschooled my kids, they learned a lot more than they did in the previous times that they've been in school through APS. I think a lot of so, people have figured that out this year. Absolutely. You know, and, and it's a lot of stress for the wife because we've got such large family and she does that. Um, but you know what? Good parents, they do that type of stuff. And she's been outstanding. She's taught them everything. And, and I work a lot, you know, so you got to give her a lot of credit because I work probably pretty close to 50 to 55 hours a week. Um, but wow. teaching your kids and raising your kids is a hard task to do to begin with. But that's something that the parents have the right to do, not the government, not the state government, not the federal government, not bureaucrats. You guys cannot yep. tell us what we can and cannot do with our kids. And I can assure you this, that the people of New Mexico in large numbers have had it and more and more people are starting to stand up more and more people are starting to speak up and i think this is actually a good thing for new mexico that the bureaucrats within the state government think that they can control what we do with our children and trying to force the vaccine let's talk about this vaccine so vaccines i can understand what they're saying now first they say the vaccine was to prevent you from getting COVID or to help you know to help block it it's 84 percent effective you guys remember that Oh, I remember lots. Okay, of so that. now a lot of the people that are getting sick are actually vaccinated people. So the vaccine, number one, is not protecting you from getting sick. Sure, now they change the narrative and they say, well, it helps reduce the severity of the sickness. Okay, that's understandable. So at the end of the day, if this is not preventing somebody from getting the virus, what are they thinking by trying to mandate this, for one? You can't mandate well, something... That's not doing what it's supposed to do. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't realize is that, again, it's less than 2% is the effective effectiveness of it. When you compare it against, you know, what your chances are of getting serious illness from COVID-19 anyways, there really is no point for the shot. But they scared the crap out of everybody. And now they they've got to do so. And they continue to do so. They continue this. 
Regardless, I mean, anybody who honestly sits down and looks at these statistics cannot, cannot come to any sort of reasonable situation where they're like, okay, yeah, this is what we need. I'm just not buying it anymore. I mean, we even see it in the curve, and I know that I'm just a GED student. <laughs> but, but I guess, you know, I'm, I'm in the same level as, as some of the PhDs who've looked at the data. So, you know, you're, you're absolutely right where they continue to push this. And, you know what? I just want to, not to interrupt, but just to touch oh, on, your GED, on your GED part of it. You know what, though? Common sense is better than education because education can be dictated on what you're being taught. But when you have common sense, that's the right way to think. That's the right perspective. And that's really the right way to lead. So I, th I think more power to you. <laughs> we're, yeah, oh, yeah. We're learning with our interactions this year with the PED, right? Yes, and right. also the fact that we had a year and a half and some of us have had like a little less time to see what is actually being taught, to see the standards kind of dropping, having some governors of some states even lowering the standards for graduation rates and stuff like that because, you know, the uh you know the blacks and browns are hardest hit because of covid because of covid policy you've implemented and now yeah you see a lot of parents who are actually kind of gaining the confidence mm -hmm. to homeschool and they're just like or to, at the very least to do the deprogramming of some of the you know um schooling that seems to be happening i mean i'm very hardened and, and it, it kind of warms my cold black heart to see like parents actually going to school boards and thinking, you know, one, that they can make a difference, but at the very least putting fear into them. It's what there's a reason why the PED has done what it has done over the last six months. Um, mm -hmm. There's something else going on. And I think, yeah, I think education and being smart, I think we've learned a difference this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the, that's the difference is I think that you kind of mentioned it is, is a lot of more people are starting to notice and a lot more people are starting to pay attention, you know, and, one of the things that I've I've pushed on social media a lot lately is that we really have to change who's running our state because we got to get these bureaucrats out of the office. It's the it's at the end of the day, it's the bureaucrats that are trying to make the rules and 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 dictate on what our our students and, and teachers are forced to do within the education system itself. Um, but you know we've got to we've got we've got to change the way we vote. We got to change the voting culture in New Mexico, and we got to start putting people in the school board that believe in the parents' right to make decisions for their kids. And, you know, at the end of the day, the public ed education department to me, they're nothing, you know, at the end of the day, this is about my kids and the decisions that my wife and I make for our kids, the PED can stay out of it. Yeah. 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 Thanks Baca. We appreciate you getting on that and changing the name. <laughs> and yeah, I did just call you out right while we're on air. You deserve that one though. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, look, it, it's it's encouraging to see, obviously, the government stepping up on certain levels. Torrance County on Friday, they passed a resolution to protect the elected municipal school board. They stated certain powers and duties, which include developing educational policies for school districts, overseeing budgeting and procurement, and adopting rules pertaining to the administration ad, ad, administration of all powers and duties of the Torrance County Municipal School Boards. So they're stepping up and they're saying this is a local decision. And, and I think that we're going to see more of that, especially as we see these overreaches from you know the state. And, and we'll get into this later, but likely from a federal level. I agree. And that's something that we need to do as a as a community is we have to start asking more 
of the counties to start stepping up and protecting the local elected officials. So that way the bureaucrats can't dictate what they do or remove them from office. But I think if we can encourage that, I think what Torrance County did is very encouraging for the other communities that are considering the same steps. Um, it's the first step forward. So I think you're right. We're going to start seeing a trend and a lot more, a lot more communities are going to start doing the same thing. I think now we got to fix it here in Albuquerque. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tip of the spear kind of a deal. It seems like, and somebody has to take that first step, but you know, and I know we've kind of touched on this, but you know, as we continue to see this rise of the Delta variant, uh -huh. um, <laughs> yeah, KRQE was reporting from the New Mexico Department of Health that there were actually five additional COVID-19 related deaths on Friday. These are people, but obviously a female in her 60s, another male in his 60s, a female in her 70s, a male in his 50s, and a male in his 80s. So it continues to be what we've always seen it be, which is something akin to the flu. And I'm, I, you know, I, you know, they, they report an additional 798 COVID-19 cases. Who knows if those numbers are true? We know that they revised them down. That seems to be a recurring problem in how these statistics are put out. You know, what is what is your attitude about the Delta variant right now? Um, so first and foremost, I just want to make sure that people understand that we we all know that the, the, the virus is real. Um, it is real. It is it is affecting people and families. And we understand that. Um, but in America, we have always been a country that has a right of freedoms and we get to choose how we live our lives. So if people want to take the risk of going out there and living their daily lives and working and supporting their families and, and, and going to church and, and, and honoring our father, and that's their right to do as an American, you know, and I understand that a lot of people say, well, they can spread the virus. Well, you know what? Who else spreads the virus? Vaccinated people spread the virus, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so to, to try to always put out all of these articles, you see all these articles on, on mainstream media that come out on social media and they're always saying most of these deaths or most of these, you know, people that are getting sick or from vac or unvaccinated people, that's a crock of shit. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's, it doesn't matter who it is. The, 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 the virus, the vaccine is not preventing the virus. It's not. Yeah. So enough of the articles trying to scare Americans into getting the vaccine that they don't want to put a foreign object into their body. You know, and that's the way I look at it this way here. And there's a lot of businesses that are starting to mandate it. Let me, I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but uh, Jen Psaki was asked a question about if the White House officials and staff yeah. are, are being required to get the vaccine. And she said the White House is not requiring their staffers to get the vaccine. But the White House is pushing businesses, corporations, and schools to force encourage vaccines on everybody else. But why? Well, yeah, it's, it's the same at the CDC. They've yet to put any sort of a real mandate through okay. on that. I mean, the governor of New Mexico, the beloved governor, also said Tuesday the state's going to talk more about mandatory vaccine partnerships and the opportunity for mandatory vaccines, more so in state government. And, and apparently she declined to reveal any details, but she said it's coming. I don't think yeah. she understands what she's going to... I don't think she gets it. I think if... If we stratify by, again, it's, it's the most startling statistic, but it actually doesn't shock me. If you stratify by educational level, the people who are the most educated, who are somehow believing in all of this nonsense, mm -hmm. not the fact that the virus doesn't exist, but the fact that the countermeasures that we employed over the last 18 months were necessary, are the same people that are just as reluctant to get it. 
because I don't know if you've studied this thing, which a lot of us have, because and, it, and it's getting to the point for those of us who do still work in the private sector where they're going to put the screws. Health, local health departments are going to put those screws on employers. Licensure, licensure will require this at some point because that's the screw. But you study this and you look at it and you're just like, well, what about natural immunity? No one's talking about it. No one. That, and that's the catch on it, too, when you think about it. So you've seen the studies and they're saying that natural immunity is lasting longer than the vaccine. They're saying that the Pfizer may last up to four months and then right. you got to get a booster shot. Yeah. Right. So this is going to be a continuously four shots a year type of process now for the rest of our lives. Is this what the government wants? Because at the end of the day, I think the majority of Americans and I want to say the high majority of Americans want to take their own gamble and would rather take the natural immunity cord, you know, and, and that's the way it looks now as, as a parent, you know, obviously I don't want to get it cause I want to bring it home to my kids, you know? Um, so that's understandable, you know, but this is part of life now, this is the way we have to live. And if you decide you want to stay home because you don't want to be around people that are not vaccinated, stay home or wear know? a mask. If you think or that wear a mask, Absolutely. Or a mask, you know, and, and, and to talk about the governor on, on this, when, when you look at it during the entire pro, the, the whole pandemic, the only people that actually prospered during this were the same people that the Democrat Party supposedly hates, the rich, yeah. Yeah. Walmarts, corporations, you know, yeah. what I mean, all corporations. Of these and I mentioned that. Yeah, I mentioned that to uh, Representative Dow last weekend, and she said that it was a somewhat loaded question. But that is the reality is that when you when you take out the power hungry politicians and the global corporations and the lazy, everybody else wants to get back to work. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's funny. And speaking of getting back to work, we're running into these with the ire of these mandates coming down and we're already facing shortages in tons of positions around the state, particularly when it comes to nurses. Right. Um, what is, uh, who, who is this person? I don't want to, it's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Scracy. Yeah. Dr. Scracy uh, says that the state is expecting hospitals to face, uh, get on that. Yeah. Get on that. Uh, to face serious <laughs> nursing shortages. Right. So we, at a time when you already have businesses struggling because of the global supply chain disruption, the fact that you're incentivizing people to stay home, the fact that you haven't really allowed the schools to be open in a predictable manner that would allow parents to get back to earning, the fact that you're basically requiring people when they are hired to either show proof of vaccination or wear a mask through an entire shift, you have basically created a litany of disincentives for people mm -hmm. to go back and the vaccine mandate is just the cherry on top to the fact that like well you don't you shouldn't have to go back to work it, it or it's going to be very very difficult if you aren't lazy to go back to work that's right mm -hmm. that's right well and and to follow on that too it, you know it, it's it's not just that but it's the people that are already currently working there's nurses and doctors there's medical staff right now that don't want to get the vaccine and mm -hmm. they're going to end up getting terminated. So not only are we going to have a do we already have a shortage in, in staff to begin with, this is going to actually help expand it even more because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to refuse to get it. They're just not going to work. Yep. More people are going to jump on unemployment. And this, this always makes you look back and think, man, is this part of the plan? I mean, are they really like <laughs> yeah, intensely yeah. trying to destroy the economy? You know, and this mm -hmm. is something that Americans, New Mexicans, everybody needs to start paying attention to because everything that the government is doing, whether it's state or federal, is affecting the future of our country. It is affecting the future of our children's freedoms and their way of life. And we need to start, we need to start making some changes. Yeah. Those shortages amongst the nurses are, are a very real thing. 
I mean, it, it was reported last September there were about 6,200 job openings for registered nurses in our state. Okay, but but let's and so you break this down, which I couldn't find any particularly verified numbers on this, but I was working with what I had is is that they estimate there's about 117,500 healthcare jobs in the state currently okay, that they're trying to fill. And and of those, they they say that roughly 80,000 people are fully vaccinated in the healthcare industry. So that that means that roughly 69% are fully vaccinated. The other 30% right now they're struggling with whether or not they just want to quit their job and do something else or go to a state that's being more protect, protective of their freedoms. So it's ridiculous, uh, you know, when Scracy says, oh, we're looking at a shortage of nurses and he's begging for people to come in from out of state. Sir, literally, it is your policies that are chasing people out of work. And it's going to happen across the board. I can speak, you know, in my own industry. And I kept thinking, well, you know, it's an essential industry. I should be able to continue to work this way. But what I'm seeing right now is that as it comes down from the corporations and a lot of the major contractors that I do work with, is they're starting to have these mandates even in the plumbing industry. And I'm, I'm looking at potentially just shutting my business down. Yeah. I've never seen, it's almost like I didn't want to go into this 18 months ago thinking that, that the government was either A, that stupid, B, that nefarious, or, or, or C, all of the above. Uh, and I'm starting to lean towards just all of the above. I don't think they care. Yeah, we just had a census that shows that we're losing young people left and right. Mm -hmm. We gained in population, however, skewing more older. But the young people are turning tail and running. I, I mean, I just read something today about like shortages of bus drivers, right? I mean, this stuff, particularly if you want to put a nail in the coffin of small businesses that are already having a hard time keeping uh, parts on stock, people coming to work an environment in general put this mandate in and, and and encourage lots of small businesses to force them force their employees to do this and you're going to have even more of an exodus and you're going to have people basically looking around and saying well this is the great resignation all right i better find something that i can do that doesn't require me to punch a clock and i don't i don't mind entrepreneurship though but the old adage goes you still need ditch diggers and don't make it difficult to hire ditch diggers, you know, just to kind of use that analogy, not that ditch digging is bad. I mean, a good digging of a ditch is actually a pretty good workout. And actually, actually it's a good day's work compared to what I do on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I tell you, I was a lot healthier when I was digging ditches every day than I am now. <laughs> yeah, you actually probably got a lot more vitamin D, too, which, you know, uh, you know, let's ignore that, too. Yeah, we, yeah, the Delta variant seems to be running rampant in parts of the country where there's sun. <laughs> it's it's keeping Sean locked in the house, huh? I, <laughs> but it does seem that way. I mean, look, you know, we could beat this up, and it and it is such a topic. But let's let's kind of just set that aside for a minute. We'll get back to some other things. Um, obviously, when it comes to New Mexico, I think everyone's concerned about crime and and the rise in crime and it, we haven't always been what i would call a peaceful state um it's always been a problem but it is on the increase um and and ronnie i know you actually recently lost a friend and a co-worker and and i wondered if you'd like to take a minute to just tell us about your friend lawrence and, yeah. and what happened with him yeah actually 
you know, crime has a lot to do with, with a whole lot of stuff. It has to do with, and I, I think it really boils down to drugs, you know, it, drugs and alcohol. I mean, illegal, illegal drugs here in this, in the city. Um, that's what causes a lot of the crime problems here in the state. But, um, you know, I lost a brother-in-law two weeks ago, um, only 27 years old. And then we lost our, uh, lost my buddy, uh, Lawrence, um, who worked with me for quite some time, I actually hired him and brought him into the car industry about six years ago. And Lawrence, uh, Anzudis was a, was a good kid. Um, you know, and, uh, had friends, made friends with everybody, everybody that talked to him made friends with him. Um, and he's just always had a good smile on his face, you know, and that's the kind of person he was. He'd always make you smile. He's always talking about something that was going to make you laugh. He's always being silly. I mean, he'd wear shorts with boots, you know, just to, you know, to go out to the range and go shooting and stuff, but, um, good kid. And he's gonna be missed. Um, my brother-in-law is going to be missed. And, uh, but this goes to not just myself and, and, you know, the losses that I've experienced and my family's experienced, but this is throughout the entire state. There's so much crime in this state that so many families are suffering. I mean, you look at, you know, the kid Benny, the 13 year old at Washington Middle School uh, a couple of days ago, you know, he was trying to do the right thing and break up a fight and got shot and killed, you know, and we are we I think we just hit the record or, or just hit the highest number of, of murders, you know, in a full year. Um, just up to August, we're at in August now. So we've already reached that highest number of murders. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't look up the specific numbers before we went on, but I know that, that was right around the corner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was what since 2019. So we've outpaced 2019. So it's not a good, it's not good to compare 2021 to 2020, but this is actually outpacing 2019 when we were actually in the midst of a still an increase. I've been, mm. I've been in the Albuquerque metro area, you know, you know, for almost 15 years now. And I, I remember here being back here in the late 90s. It was a wild, wild west. But I remember it, it really got pretty good post 2001. And, mm -hmm. you know, we were kind of on a downslope for a while. But I guess after that uh, tragedy up in the in the foothills up with the APD and then the subsequent uh, consent decrees and stuff like that. And then basically the government and leadership at the Albuquerque City Council not you know, in the prosecutor's office, and the district attorney's office, not doing their thing. It's I've seen it slowly increase and it's been a pretty steady increase since about 2015. And we're reaching a crescendo. And then you have on top of that, the economic hardship that's about to be basically inflicted on this state with these mandates, with the continue or, or with the lifting of moratoriums and the this and the that and the other thing. And I, I think we're spiritually weak. I think we're spiritually broken. And I think this is just this is it's, it's fuck. I'm sorry. It's heartbreaking. All right. Um, kids killing each other. You got, you know, people getting killed indiscriminately. I mean, drugs are always a problem. And, you know, I'm a kind of live and let live guy when it comes to the drug thing, but it, it, it's kind of gotten out of hand. Um, and, and they're going to probably blame guns, um, which I, which I find um, infuriating, but they're not going to blame the policies of, you know, literally catch and release when it comes to the, you know, crime in this state and mainly in this city. Um, and yeah, I hope in this mayoral election that someone who has a little bit, is a little bit more serious about law and order kind of takes over because this, this is getting ridiculous. I don't go to Albuquerque after dark. I don't mess around. Not anymore. You know, not even going to Knob Hill, Schnob Hill, where I can, you know, have a, a very expensive microbrew and like a tapas or something. I can't do it because it's dangerous and I can't take my family because it's dangerous. And that's just it, man. We, we've, we got kids here. We got our families here, you know, and this is our home and watching 
Albuquerque deteriorate over the course of the last, it really, it's been happening over since you said, since I'd say early two thousands is when there were some pretty good times in the city. Yeah. Um, but since then it's, it's, it's deteriorated, but it seems like it's gotten a lot worse over the last three years, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. it, and you're right. It has to do a lot with the policies, you know, the catch and release, you know, talking about defunding the police department, you got a mayor that, you know, donated to black lives matter, you know, and you know, it, it, it to me, we as a community, we really got to start talking to each other and finding a way to get back to to God. You know, it seems like as a country, we've gotten away from God for so long now. And now we're starting to pay the consequences or starting, you know, the wrath starting to happen because we've gotten away from God. And, you know, we don't have people that care about people's lives. We don't have people that care about, you know, you know, the way people live. You know, it, it, anytime somebody needs help, people pull out their phones and they start recording. You know what I mean? And, and in my days, man, and, and, and to me, to this day, if something happens, I'm not pulling out a phone. I'm going to try to help somebody, you know, and that's what we have to do as Americans. That's what we have to do as New Mexicans. Like we have to get back to caring about our, each other because the government has divided us and made us fight with each other for so long. And it's time that we need to come together. Well, and it's interesting, you know, when when the conversation turns to law and order, and and ways to address it that way i mean obviously the left continues to call for more restrictions on the second amendment as being a means to achieve more safety um they seem to be gaining traction with that it's whether it's just rhetorical or not it is a large part of the conversation even on the federal level you know so so i think it is something that has to be addressed ideal ideology i can't say the word so i quit ideologically but, <laughs> everything just went me. Um, but I mean, how do you think New Mexicans balance their constitutional right to bear arms in that sort of a situation? Is there anything that needs to be done as far as gun control? It's, it's kind of an interesting question for someone like you. So entertain it, I, I guess, is what I'm asking you to do. You know, so you look at this when you so last year there was 400 murders with a rifle. Mm -hmm. And this is all rifles, not just the R-15s. I'm talking 30-odd sixes. I'm talking 22 rifles, 400. And the AR-15 has been branded the demon weapon. This is the, the, the mass global killer that's killing every American that's out there. There was more people that died falling from stairs last year. There was more people that died from drug overdose last year. There's more people that died from cirrhosis of liver last year. There's more people that died from smoking cigarettes last year than actually died from gun violence. And what the people need to understand is, is that when you start taking a look at real stats and real numbers and you start comparing things, because first, let me, actually, let me go back. A loss of any life at all is wrong. And, and, and I pray for any, any family or any person that loses a life or somebody that they love. Um, so that's wrong. But at the end of the day, we have to go back and start looking at charts and numbers and start looking at this stuff. And then we can start saying, hey, listen, every time that they try to they try to take something from us, because taking away a gun is taking away a freedom from the American people. Mm -hmm. So they're using certain instances to brand what we're trying to do or, or a freedom that we have to remove that. But if you notice what's been going on with the Democrat Party over the last six to eight years, they don't care about removing freedoms. They're doing anything that they can. And they're doing it right in front of our eyes to remove individual freedoms from us. Yeah. And yeah, you people, can't. Yeah. Yeah. And the people defending that are, that are fighting it are the conservatives and the ones that are getting attacked by, you know, for doing this is the conservatives because the liberal voters, Democrat voters attack conservatives because they believe the government has their best interests at heart. 
and they don't. But what they don't understand is that conservatives are actually fighting for them too. They're fighting for Democrats. They're fighting for liberals. They're fighting for, you know, independence. It doesn't matter who you are. The freedoms that we fight for are for every single one of you guys. Yeah. Here's hoping that the last year where crime has skyrocketed in a lot of these, let's call it blue cities, uh, where there were loud calls to defund the police. Um, we did have a run on guns in these blue cities. We did have, uh, those who would be considered on the ide ideological left or liberal actually looking again at maybe the arguments for the Second Amendment. And yeah, I, I'm really sick of them using, you know, death and destruction that is basically a result of really laxed law enforcement policies to blame guns when there's gun crime, right? It's not a, it's not specifically a gun crime, right? The gun isn't the issue, right? It's drugs. It's, it's, it's a litany of other social ills. And it's ironic that they called for most of last year, swept up in the spirit of the age to defund police and to pull them out of these cities and to basically do criminal justice reform. And yet they're going to take away the very instrument that people need to use to defend themselves in these cities. Um, so you either try to defend yourself in these cities and face overzealous prosecutors, particularly DAs, or you leave the cities. Um, so yeah, they people need to understand you know, uh, organizations that are on the conservative right that talk about the Second Amendment are doing it for the very reasons that you guys ran to gun stores when, you know, the BLM mostly peaceful protests turned to riots. Yeah. And how they call them mostly peaceful protests, I have no clue. You, you, you actually had an article. <laughs> there was one time when CNN was doing a, a live footage and they were saying it's mostly a peaceful protest. And there's buildings right behind them on fire with people running back and yeah. forth. You know, it's, it meme becomes Sometimes the memes write themselves. <laughs> it, is, it is. It is. You know, but looking forward, I mean, re recent census data and this kind of comes back to your wheelhouse, I would think. Uh, it reveals that nearly 48% of New Mexico's population is Hispanic hmm. or Latino. In some counties, that percentage increases to 75% of the population. You've expressed your belief that a majority of Hispanics are conservative by nature, but we still don't see a change particularly in the way they vote in this state. What do you see as being the key strategy for getting New Mexican Hispanics to vote conservative? Let me tell you why. New Mexicans don't like to talk politics. <laughs> they don't. Um, and New Mexicans have voted Democrat for so long. It's just something that they do. And so when you don't talk politics and you don't understand or start trying to get yourself involved to see what's really happening within the policies, they're going to continue to vote that way. So the objective for our, my organization, our organization, the Republican National Hispanic Assembly of New Mexico, is actually to change that. We're going to change the voting culture because we're going to do a few different things. One of the ways, and I, I just want to, this is good. This will be some weapon, some ammunition for you guys anytime that you guys are debating somebody. But think about this for a minute. Since 1930, 1930, this is 90 years, 91 years, the Republicans have only held the House of Representatives in New Mexico two times. Mm -hmm. They've held the state Senate three times in 91 years. So going back on that, and then we start talking about what's causing all the crime and all the problems in, in New Mexico, it goes back to all the policies the Democrats have implemented on our people for the last 91 years. On top of that, you have 
each time that the Republicans had a majority of a House or a Senate, they didn't have the governorship and vice versa. So I was talking to some people on social media about this today that are Democrat voters or independent voters, whatever you want to call them. They're saying, oh, it's on both parties. It's both parties. But you know what? In some aspects, absolutely it is. Mm -hmm. But there is one party that's implemented policies on the people of New Mexico for 91 years, and that party is the Democrat Party. And that party has made New Mexico a state that is heavy in poverty, heavy on drugs, heavy in crime, and very poor in the worst in education. And as a parent, a grandparent, or even people that are you know expecting to be parents, this should concern you guys. This should be enough to make you want to change the way you think about your vote. Okay. The other thing is, is the media and the Democrat Party has put out such a amazing perception. And I will say this, the Republican Party has helped them in some instances, that the Republican Party is the party of the KKK, that the party is racist, that they're white supremacists. And we've got to fight back on that. The Republican Party has done a horrible job of marketing. And not just in New Mexico, this is nationwide. But part of politics and what I think they don't understand in the Republican Party is that marketing is key. It is crucial. And we are going to do that with the Republican National Hispanic Assembly. We're going to be marketing in a way that New Mexico has never seen in politics from the Republican Party. But we're also going to go directly into the blue districts. We're going to be hoping, you know, having events. Um, I can't really tell you some of the stuff that we've already got planned out, but we've got events that are planned in the heart of Democrat voting districts in Albuquerque. And we're going to start doing this in other parts of the state as well, too. But we have to go out there and start reaching to the communities, talking to these people and explaining how we got where we are today and how these policies got implemented. It's interesting when you talk about the mischaracterization um, as far as white supremacy and things like that. That kind of goes right into the next kind of question we had, which is zooming out. You know, the problems that we're seeing in New Mexico, they're pretty commonplace around the nation at this point. I don't think it's anything particularly special. You know, the Department of Homeland Security has recently identified those who doubt the validity of the 2020 election, as well as those who are against more COVID lockdowns, as being a threat to national security. I mean, where does that, that sure seems like a mischaracterization to me. When we're declaring these people terrorists, you know, what is what is your attitude or your answer to that? Um, how do you fight back against that sort of a mischaracterization? Well, it's probably a good thing we're on a on a podcast right now, so I'll I'll kind of limit what I wanted to say to him in person. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? You've got a president that is demonizing fifty percent or more of the American population, and calling them the enemies of the people enemies or domestic terrorists or terror threats, whatever you want to call them. He's demonizing half of the country. But the Democrats have done that the entire time that Trump was in office. They tried to de demonize Trump voters, Republicans, conservatives, no matter what we were, Hispanics, blacks, whites, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, but when you look at this, it, it's, it's disturbing to see what they've done to divide us for one. But number two, I just want to touch on the election, you know, um, Joe Biden didn't get 80 million votes. So you're trying, you know, so people are trying to tell me that he got more votes than Barack Obama, who was supposedly the most adored president in American history. Joe Biden did not get 80 million votes. And I don't care what anybody says. Let me give you an example. I want any anybody to go to either the White House YouTube, go to the White House on Facebook, look at their posts, and then look at the interactions. Every time you see, I actually shared one on Facebook the other day that 
Joe Biden said uh, four months in office and America's back on track. And there was like 2.5 million interactions and like 1.8 million of them were laughs, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we, yeah, the anecdotal evidence is certainly there. It's there. Uh, there's tons you know, of it's that. There. <laughs> it's there, you know, but so, you know, I, I try not to say too much about the election on social media because I've been restricted, shut down, banned and suspended and all kinds of stuff for it before. Um, but publicly, I'll go out there and I'll speak my feelings. I speak my truth and I, I really don't care. You know, and like right. I said, social media shut down my uh, conservative Latino page that had 27,000 followers and just go out and rebuild again, I guess, is what we got to do. I said, what can we what can we do? What can we do to fight back against that assessment? Right. I mean, while simultaneously, you know, exercising the First Amendment right or trying to, at least on these platforms. Um, I mean, how what do you think that's going to do to the discourse? Right. I mean, I know it's already sown distrust uh, in media narratives, which I think is a healthy thing. But I mean, how do we do that? How do we fight back? How should we fight back? I guess it's really hard. to It's really hard to do that, you know, but you have to use the platforms. You've got to use social media. You've got to be vocal. And, and, and I really think that more people, more Americans, more New Mexicans have got to speak up and start saying things. You know, um, the, the thing that with the Republican Party and voters in general, we don't like drama. You know, we, 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 we go to the polls, we vote, we leave it at that. But times have changed. You know, the, the Republican Party has been very timid and we have to start fighting back. We have to start putting people out there that are going to be loud, speak up and even have to cause a ruckus if we have to in order to get people's attention. You know, but the Republican Party has got to start speaking up. They have to start electing fighters that can actually go out there and make these changes because Section 230. There's not really a whole lot that we can do with Section 230. There's not. Correct. And, Correct. you know, at the end of the day, Section 230 was created for social media to be like a billboard. It wasn't to be for a media platform. It was for it was basically for a billboard. Mm -hmm. And that's why they were initially given Section 230. They weren't given it to monitor what was said on their platforms. Yeah, it was an indemnified party. That's right. It was that's indemnified. Right. Them. And, and times have changed, you know. And I think when this happened, I think there was, what, 20 million people on Facebook at that time. And now we got, what, one point four, three, eight four, billion, eight yeah. billion people on, on social media now. So times have changed, you know, and, and things need to be revised. And I think as a constituency of voters, we have to start electing people that are going to start protecting the rights of our voters. We have to start electing people that are going to put the best interest of our kids and our small businesses first. So in the short term, uh, you know, obviously with these mischaracterizations, the problems with speaking out against them and everything else we're in we're entering into an increasingly polarized world mm -hmm. that's that's obvious and it's getting nastier um you know you've you've expressed the need obviously to go back to god you even said but you know on a broader scale even the people who may not subscribe to that particular belief you know teaching the world to love each other to respect life and to help our neighbors what can New Mexicans do to foster an atmosphere of love and respect in this increasingly polarized world? We have to talk to each other. We, we have to talk to each other and take politics out of the whole thing. Um, we, as a people, should really try to get away from mainstream media because mainstream media is what's really dividing our people. Um, and I'll be honest, I used to be a, a Fox junkie until about two years ago. And now I don't watch any mainstream media. Like I tell you, the only thing that I see on mainstream media is what pops up on my newsfeed. 
Um, and I don't even follow them, you know, um, but they just pop up because somebody shares or something else and I see it. Um, but I stick with independent journalists. You know, you got, you know, Jack Posobiec, um, Thomas Sell. You know, you, you go to the people that actually don't care what party somebody is. If they've done something that's corrupt, they're going to call you out. If they think something is right, they're going to let you know. And if they seem think, think something's wrong, they're going to tell you. And nowadays we have a media that is intentionally trying to divide the people because this is how they can keep us in control or they can keep themselves in control because they keep us divided and fighting with each other. And in the meantime, they're that back there behind us doing all the other stuff that we don't see them doing. Amen. Yeah. So how can people uh, get in contact with you to help you in this fight? Um, we're on all social media platforms at RNHANM. Um, our website is www.rnhanm.org. Um, and then you can, uh, you know, you can shoot me an email chair at rnhanm.org. Um, or you can, uh, give me a call, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty open with, uh, my number. It's 505-369-9286. I want the people in New Mexico to have that number because when they've got questions and if they want to talk, I want to be able to talk to them, you know, and this isn't just about conservatives. This is about everybody. This is about all New Mexicans. It doesn't matter if it's a you know, Republican, Democrat, independent, I don't care. This is about the people of New Mexico, and that's what we're trying to make this organization about. Ronnie, appreciate you coming on. It's uh, It's been enlightening. It's always nice to talk to somebody who's kind of done the sweat work and then finds himself being active on any sort of political level. So, again, really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks for having me. Baca, what are we doing? Hello, it's me. Again. Oh, you are there. I'm I am you, there. I, I know. I know. When you guys were talking about homeschool stuff, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm getting like my stuff ready. You know, I'm I'm pretty panicky about yeah. it as a parent and I'm trying to do my best to hold in there. But, you know, get your backup plans ready. Look, look at the other things out there. It's kind of scary. Even if you take out all the, the, the stuff we're not supposed to talk about with the sickness, at some point your kids are getting taught stuff that maybe you don't agree with. And that's kind of nerve wracking the more we learn how much we didn't learn. Um, Anyway, not to be on my soapbox. It's not my show. It's your guys' no, show. No, no, that's no, However, well, we just do what you we just do what you tell us to do. Uh, right. More so, propaganda right. from the propagandist. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Where, on, where, where are we now? Where, where is our syndication now? When we now that we have like limit, much more limited options, and who do we have on next week? That's well. Okay. So tell what me that think? if I'm saying this wrong. I believe our guest name is Angelo Arona. Arona. Uh, did, did I put too much? And in the hizzy, yeah, business owner, definitely, yes. and so, uh, a big friend of mine, beer drinking buddy, a societ, certified societ. So he's taught me how to taste beer, but he's also, like I said, a small business owner. And yeah, we're gonna talk beer and New Mexico small business next week. Yeah, does that try- mean I can drink beer openly on the show? Uh, yeah, you can you always should. drink beer openly. You can always drink beer, but I mean, this will give us an <laughs> opportunity to actually drink some. So yes, actually, if there's any breweries out here in New Mexico that would love to advertise your beer, we'll we'll shill it for you right here we will we'll do the whole thing come on let us sell your beer for you correct (laughs) okay uh so next sorry next week we have angelo rona at 1 p.m right uh please tune in do you guys have anything else do you guys want to shill anything i i I wanted to go ahead and say you know obviously we do the other show uh the american council for truth and journalism for those Mm -hmm. of you that like a little bit less i don't know reverence Mm -hmm. or even behavior we we tend to not always behave ourselves on that show but tomorrow night uh we are planning at 9 p.m uh we're gonna have tomas morales on i don't know anybody saw all of the things that were going on yesterday 
in the streets of Los Angeles, <laughs> Antifa, and some others. But uh, we're going to have Tomas Morales on. He's great. He was there in the thick of it getting footage. So he's going to break that down for us. So you might want to check awesome. that out. Oh. Oh, 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 wait. Oh, how, oh, how, how did oh, I turn oh, that? Oh, 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 my, oh, oh my bad. Oh, oh my um, also, oh my don't God. don't forget. Sorry, that was my bad. I, my oh, fingers oh, slipped. Oh, okay, um, okay. So don't forget, we do a show on Wednesdays also, like most of the time. It feels like when we can get there. So if if we, if we you'd like to see somebody on New Mexico Rising, uh, was it Dr. Scrouchy? Dr. Uh, we would love to have Dr. Scrace on. I, I, That's Dr. Scrace? Sorry. It's send them an email. I'll Doc. try, but any also any viewers, do we have anybody out there still watching? Five of you. If there's somebody you think you'd like to see, let us know. Because Wednesdays, we try to do it. Uh, remember, we're here broadcasting from FEMA Camp, New Mexico, 013. <laughs> um, just trying to tell you guys it's okay. It's going to be okay. Just breathe. Yeah, uh, we really appreciate and- you all watching. Like, share, subscribe wherever you can. It really means everything. The podcast will be up here in the next couple of hours. So if you guys want to listen to our dulcet tones as we talked to ronnie lucero just subscribe to us on itunes spotify google play and with that we're getting better at this part of it i feel like i think we are as long as i can stop getting panicked during the show <laughs> about what's being said and like pay attention yeah, anyway why don't you pay attention next time i'm, why don't you I'm paying attention right now all right thanks